0: Coming to you from a base far off. Maybe I'm on planet Neptune. Maybe I'm not. We're about to begin. The music will continue for a second. And I will be here momentarily. from the Renaissance City, Florence, Alabama, you know i I told you I wouldn't address religion all the time in the birth of this part pod, these podcasts, so I want to speak a little to you today well about about the role of counseling in the church. well, it's sort of um, maybe not about religion, but it's about counseling and the church, and I guess I'm speaking about you know both about mental health, substance abuse, family etc, etc., I've been practicing in my profession now as a counselor for a little over five years. That is, if you consider a little extra time for my internships and practicum experience. And, you know, maybe I keep asking myself, why did I choose the counseling profession? Now, folks, this goes deep, real deep. But I'm here, and regardless of how I got here and being a practicing Christian slash disciple, now... I have read some material on this as well, and I'm not a faith-based therapist, but from what I've read, some out there, there are churches, there are people that are really skeptical, pastors too, about bringing in a theoretical perspective that therapists are trained into these days, into the church. Now, you know, I can't really blame them in some ways. Sigmund Freud himself He's a makes, makes me squeamish enough as it is. And no, most counselors, most of us, don't practice classical psychoanalysis like he did. But what about the theorists themselves? Some of these guys, uh, you probably heard of them, of course, Sigmund Freud. Once called religion the universal obsessional neurosis of humanity. Albert Ellis... Once described himself as an atheist, but later became more soft-hearted in this respect. Albert Ellis was the author of REBT, Rational Motive Behavior Therapy. Carl Rogers, well, guess some considered him as a, and I, I think he considers himself as considered himself more of a human, humanist psychologist. Abraham Maslow, remember him? Those of you who have taken Human Growth and Development. Uh, the hierarchy of Maslow's Hierarchy and Needs. He was a humanist as well and an atheist. And the list goes on and on. Okay, okay, okay. So, you go to a counselor and you're a Christian and he gives you his two cents worth. Now, it may not be even directive counseling. Maybe some of you uh, just who who are listening, uh, so maybe somebody, somebody that's listening to him is responding with critical life events, and maybe he's using person-centered techniques, that is. Or maybe someone has you, you're at a therapist, and he's having you to practice mindfulness, or mindful meditation, mindfulness meditation, or perhaps even yoga. haven't tried that one, by the way. Folks, these sorts of practices are Eastern religion at its best now I am not negating any of these by the way I use these with my clients but from what I'm learning from Christian some Christian versions are just a little bit wanting. let me rephrase this sentence but what I'm hearing from some Christian evangelists speakers, preachers, churches some of the stuff that the counselors are practicing, are in need. They claim that there's a lack of the Word of God in the counseling profession to determine a person's direction instead of using suggestions, techniques, theories from the counseling field. In other words, we should be going back. They believe we should be going back to the Word rather than using any of this Eastern religion or any, oh, I would say, uh, um, spirituality or anything like that. Now, am I against this? No, not really. I'll be honest with you. Some people are able to pick up a Bible and discern the wisdom and truth therein, and live an abundant life afterwards. And really, I've told people this. There's probably not one thing really that does, that that I don't teach that isn't covered in the Bible. Now, I don't say this to all my clients. I don't pull the Bible out in my sessions. I can't because my code of ethics does not allow impressing my religion on my clients. Now, I had some clients who have asked me to discuss my religious beliefs, which I've done so at their request. But why would I so espouse to teach anything in the church to Christians without being Bible-based? This is tricky, folks, because Christians want biblical answers to their problems. So, what I normally will say is, if someone asks something that's in the Bible that they need to hear, is this. Well, there is ancient wisdom, we'll say. There, there is ancient wisdom out there that, there that will say this or this, for example, this or that. If I'm, for example, if I'm counseling someone about their over-religiosity, and the Bible covers this one, by the way. In the Bible, it says, do not be overly righteous, why destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, why die before your time? And I might bring up that some ancient wisdom has made this statement. It's ancient words, it's good advice. I don't have to say it came from the Bible. Now, what gives that passage in me the right? Take that passage, for example, what I just mentioned, Do not be overly righteous, why destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, why die before your time? Why would that have a need to be even said in the counseling profession? Well, for one, I heard a statistics once that said 93% of people in mental institutions are religious. I heard that by a statistic one time. And I'll attest here, I've led groups in mental hospitals where patients interrupted the group to tell people about Jesus. Yes, yeah, seriously, that has happened. Please, I'm not against Jesus here either. I'm just stating the facts also, and I'm not against those people that did that either. I don't have to tell you as well that killing someone for the benefit of mankind is punishable by a lifetime in prison or even death. So is that passage truth? You bet it is. And so definitely I'm not preaching Jesus to my clients or throwing Bible verses to them or anything like that or telling them to follow the biblical path, but... This hurts me a little, folks, as I am a Christian, and if I could go to the Bible with answers from my clients, then maybe I think personally there are words that could do them benefits I couldn't gain from any other source. So, however, we don't do that in my profession. We don't go to the Bible unless, for example, I'm certified as a faith-based therapist, which I'm not. So what can we do, though? And should we even mix the dominant counseling theories with anything whatsoever religious? Well, you might say that's where existential theories come in, right? Giving clients meaning and purpose in their life through discussions that aren't necessarily religious but entail more of the givens of existence. Allowing clients to use personal choice to determine their future and meaning in life. Now again, some of the past existentialists were atheists. And existentialism in itself is humanistic in some ways. For example, I'm going to give you an example here, John Paul Satir. In his published lecture, Existentialism and Humanism, this is what he said. This is his words, Atheistic existentialism, of which I am a representative, declares with greater consistency that if God does not exist, there is at least one being whose existence comes before its essence, a being which exists before it can be defined by any conception of it. That being is man. He said that. So here's the miracle question. Why speak about existential concerns if you're a Christian and have something to discuss that could be used to promote humanism or atheism? In other words, discuss things that place personal freedoms and choice above that of God. So, what about spirituality? I just mentioned that a little bit ago. You know I was going there. The 12-step groups are big on this one when they speak of everybody needing a higher power. And I guess this is where I am still in my field. When clients speak, especially some of these clients of their higher power, I usually agree with the 12-step method and promote its agenda. With some, that is, you're expecting, your. if I'm in a situation where I have to teach the 12 steps of recovery, but that is not where I what I'm reading recently folks it's out there. What I'm reading is I think, I think the church the words I'm reading says the church is tired of promoting anything but the Word of God, at least in some circles and with some pastors and authors. So what do you believe is in my question? What do you b- believe? Should we only use the word of God as Christians? Or can we allow ourselves to not only counsel, but to be counseled by the best practices common today in the counseling profession? And I'm really speaking as well to the church here. Church people counsel others, not for profit, of course. But even way before I had a career as a therapist, I was counseling people in the church. That's what Christians do. They give advice sometimes. So. Do we now allow, as the church, Christians to suggest meditation, mindfulness, Eastern-based religious practices, that is, to practice and teach these, and, you know, Eastern-based practices, and the churches that I'm a part of, at least, don't consider them to be Christian churches, and I'm going to use a different voice here. I will say that there is great benefit from some of the Eastern religious practices, such as Meditation, mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, and even yoga. I practice these with, with my clients. And I am still a Christian. Is this a contamination of Christianity? That's the question I'm going to leave you with today, folks. Is this a contamination of Christianity? That was my final Statement and question to ask you today, but I want to hear your responses. You can email me at stanpeck at gmail.com. S-T-A-N-P-E-C-K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's all I got today, folks. Until next time, live abundantly. live? Excuse, live faithfully. Hope abundantly, give grace to all men, and please be looking up. Thank you.